Hey there, this is Angel Donovan with your favorite show, DSR Become a Better Man. If you are new to the show and you're overwhelmed by the over 120 interviews that are waiting for you, a great way to get started to uh, get a foundation of the most important things is to go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash get top 13. That's get top one free. And there you will find an audio to download, which has the top 13 bits of advice and courses that we've discovered over 15 years of doing this. The top 13 pieces of advice that we'd recommend someone who's starting from scratch to get started with, because it'll give you all the basics, all the foundational stuff. So then you can dive off into all of the other stuff on the podcast and have a firm understanding of the basics. So that's really the quickest way to get started. Now, today's episode, do you find it really hard to follow the going to bar and clubs route to meeting women, uh, which obviously has been heavily pushed by pickup artist advice, in particular the last decade? Do you hate bars and clubs for that matter? Have you ever been asked when you're out? Why are you so quiet? Or do you sometimes feel energy drained at long social events or after those events or when you're socializing in large groups of people? Do you prefer hanging out with people one-on-one or in small groups instead of larger groups? These are all possible indicators that you're an introvert by nature and that taking account of this and modifying your approach or strategy to work with it rather than just kind of pushing up against it is going to be the path of lesser resistance. That means the easier route to you getting results in this area. And that means meeting women, dating women, relationships, and and all this good stuff. Now, it's probably 50% of you listening to this that are in this situation. I actually think that it's a lot higher percentage based on the types of people I've related to, the types of people I know who listen to this podcast and so on, and, and that we coach. The profile tends to be a higher percentage of introverts or just people who have stronger introvert tendencies. So this is a really important episode for everyone to listen to. And for even if you're an extrovert, it's going to be something worthwhile. Now, I myself used to be uh, very much an introvert. Uh, The reason I know this is just because of looking at the changes over time. But also, one of the things uh, we discuss in today's episode is using the Myers-Briggs type indicator test. So that's a short questionnaire, and it's to clarify if you are indeed an introvert and to what degree. The test gives you a percentage result telling you what percent you are an extrovert and what percent an introvert. So in episode 91, a while back, we mentioned a personality test that I've done several several times in my career at business school and um, by executive consultants who consult as CEOs to help them optimize their careers and how they're dealing with life and so on and all the stresses. So I've had that done a few times by professionals. It's called the 16PF, the 16 personality factors. And it's got a lot of empirical evidence to it, but it isn't widely available. So that's like a really professional test that and it gave me a lot of insights into my personality. Now, the Myers-Briggs, on the other hand, is very accessible where you probably won't be able to get access to the 16PF. Like I said, I had professionals give me this test and you can't find it online or get it done. It's a little bit more complex and and detailed and so on. But the Myers-Briggs is very popular and it's very accessible. There's tests online, there's links in the show notes, and it's mentioned in this episode where you can go to get it done in about 10 to 15 minutes online to find out if you are an introvert and, you know, all of this material relates to you more. While there is a bit of controversy about the Myers-Briggs and how how much evidence there is that it's empirical. That means there's a lot of re- if there's research behind its validity and so on. But the good news is that I found a study comparing the 16PF, which has a lot of em- empirical evidence and research behind it to prove it, and it compares it to the Myers-Briggs. And they found that the 16PF and the Myers-Briggs results are highly correlated, which means that they're the same for the extroversion-introversion scale. So this specific area that we're interested in today, not necessarily other parts of the Myers-Briggs test. So I'm not sure if like how much we should trust the other parts of the Myers-Briggs test, but for the extroversion and introversion scale, it is actually very valid and, and useful. So since we're really interested in this, I'd recommend you do the Myers-Briggs at some time before or after listening to this audio. Um, because we, as we discuss it, you'll be able to relate to this whole audio a lot better knowing how introverted you are. After the interview, I did the Myers-Briggs test uh, myself and it came back with a 94% extroverted 
which is uh, a bit of a surprise to me in how extreme that is. It's definitely crept up over the years, starting from me as an introvert before I got into all of this over 15 years ago and all of the the training and the experiences and the learning and everything that's gone on and, and the change. And to moderately extrovert a few years ago when I did it again, and now it's looking like I'm more of an extreme extrovert. Uh, so that's pretty interesting stuff. I guess I'm living proof that we can reprogram our minds, our inner game, and so on. So take that with you if you want to change uh, these parts of you. Today's episode is about leveraging your introversion. It's not about changing it necessarily. Some people may want to change it, but other people may be happy with it. And so today's discussion is more about how can we leverage it? How can we work with it rather than against it? And today's guest is Michaela Chung, who is an introvert coach. Now, she is the founder of the popular blog, introvertspring.com, where she has written over 200 articles on topics relating to introversion. And when I was looking for a quality guest to speak on this topic, Michaela stood out among the many I looked at. This was a great and interesting chat, I have to say. And I think everyone, even the potential extroverts listening to it, will get a lot out of it by being able to understand better the introverts you come into contact with or perhaps are in relationships with, which is approximately 33 to 50 percent of the population. So you're encountering these people every day. If you would like the show notes with the transcript to this episode and uh, the links to everything we discuss, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and pick out the episode from there. If you would love to never miss another episode of DSR, Become a Better Man, then go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter, pop your email in there and we'll make sure to send you an email every time an episode comes out with all of those show notes and links and everything good. Now, please sit back and enjoy this interview with Michaela Chung on how to leverage your introversion rather than fight it. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Hey, Michaela, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I always like to, first of all, dive into a little bit about what triggered your interest in this topic? Because you've been talking about introversion and and dating and just general socializing for um, quite a while now. How long has it been? It's been about three and a half years. Okay. And where did that all start? Where did it come about? Yeah, well, actually, I think like a lot of dating coaches or people who have these kind of obsessions, it began with a painful experience. It began with uh, me feeling ostracized because of my introversion and actually having an experience where I pretty much was, my energy tanks were low as happens with introverts. And I ended up kind of having a meltdown in front of a group of strangers. I've told this story a lot, so I'm not gonna get into it too much, but I was traveling, I was pushing myself too hard. And then I felt a lot of pressure from the extroverts around me to come out of your shell. You know, why are you getting quiet? You have to be social. And I was just really done. I was just, I couldn't really um, be out there when I was so drained. And I realized that if I was having such a painful experience and I was feeling so almost like punished and criticized for, for just having my own personal needs, then there must be other people out there who feel the same. And so it was about three months later that I started introvertspring.com, my website. Okay, cool. And that started as a blog and now you also have a YouTube channel, which is where I first came across you. So what kind of a relationship and social lifestyle do you lead today? Like, I guess you've made changes or you've either accepted or, you know, things have changed over time. So what does it kind of look like today? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's funny for me to even look back because my life is totally different now. Before I did a lot of things just to fit in and just to feel like a good person, to feel normal. And for me, that was a lot of extroverted things. So uh, I was a salsa dancer. So I spent a lot of time salsa dancing, socializing in very, very like high energized or high energy stimulating environments. 
And I would just try and always keep busy because I thought that's what made me a valuable, normal person. And nowadays I take a lot more time to myself. I work by myself from home. So that's a big difference. And I live uh, overlooking the ocean. I'm looking at the ocean right now in this really peaceful community. And I just, my life just has a lot more solitude and I don't feel bad about it. So did you move, just out of curiosity, did you move there on purpose? Kind of you you felt like next to the ocean would be a a good place for more contemplation and so on? I am one of those kind of law of attraction people. So whenever I want to move into a place, I write down exactly what I want and I've always gotten what I wanted. So I had my list and this had everything on the list, even being close to the ocean, I had said, and this is right on the ocean. And when I came to see it, it was just like, wow, this is the perfect place to write a book and to recharge as an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, so let's dive into what is extroversion and introversion. As I've read a bit more about it, I understand it's not really clear. People kind of have an idea of what it is and or what they think of it. It may be or it is, but that's not necessarily exactly kind of the definition. So how do you define it? Definitely. Yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions. So an introvert, the basic definition is an introvert is simply someone who is energized by being alone and who is drained by stimulating environments. And so social situations are very stimulating. They're very draining and also crowds, things like amusement parks, lots of noises and bright lights. And extroverts, on the other hand, are the opposite. They're energized by stimulating activities and by social activities. Okay. So it's kind of like how you feel after you've been socializing for two hours. Would that be like a a good way to? That would be a great way to gauge it. Yeah. If you've been socializing for two hours, if you're an extrovert, you'd be like, no problem. I'm ready for more. You'd be just warming up probably. And for an introvert, you might be drained and ready to go home, but keep in mind it's on a spectrum. So very, so for certain introverts, they can handle more time out, more socializing than others. Okay. And do you think extroverts have limits in terms of their social time? So I used to coach in in clubs and and places like that for a while. And I don't know a lot of other coaches. So we'd be doing that, say, 10 hours um, in the whole day and talking in a seminar as well. And we literally have to take the next day completely off chilling in front of a TV um, because we'd be so drained. And this is like something pretty, pretty much uh, consistent. Everyone I've ever spoken to. So I was just wondering if you you think like extroverts also have kind of these social limits, but they're maybe just a lot higher. Definitely. I think, like I said, with the spectrum, nobody's completely 100% extroverted or completely 100% introverted. So an extrovert will be able to socialize a lot more, but they're going to need a break too. Like for me, for example, I do, I can public speak. I do podcasts, I do webinars, and I have Um, the ability to public speak, but it is much more draining for me, even doing a podcast interview or especially webinars because I use video, I will feel drained afterwards. Whereas an extrovert, it might take a lot more. It might take a whole day of doing coaching um, over the phone or, or doing webinars. Okay. So I, I want to make sure the guys at home and and the girls, I know some girls listen to this podcast too. Um, So I I want to make make sure that they understand what an introvert is and what it is and what other ways could they use to recognize if they fit into this introversion mold. So another big thing is the way that introverts communicate. So introverts are known for being quiet and for hating small talk. So we tend to be the people at the party who are either just off to the side kind of observing or they're in small groups or just one-on-one and they tend to want to just dive right into a deep or really interesting conversation. They're not that interested in group conversations or small talk, which is pretty hard to get around, but that's their preference. And introverts also need more time to think before they speak. So they might pause for a long time or just kind of feel like they missed the boat and and then they don't say anything at all. That's why they don't like group conversations, because often it it escapes them and they can't really catch up. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Right. So I'm sure a lot of people at home are starting to kind of figure out maybe this is me. So another aspect I come across uh, quite often is uh, kind of emotional versus uh, logical conversations. 
fair number of the guys I've come across over time tend to have a very logical way of, of talking. And sometimes they find it difficult to be more emotionally expressive. I don't know if you understand exactly what I mean, but it's kind of inject like playfulness, um, inject more, more emotion, kind of more liveliness, but also just like a, a different variety of emotions into their speech. So kind of like a storyteller would. Um, that would be an extreme version of it. If you think in like in a movie, the guy's telling a story, right? You can you can kind of feel the emotions in it. You know, in everyday conversation, there tends to be a fair amount of emotions in it. Is this anything related to introversion or is this something different? I do feel like that has more to do with whether you're simply a more feeling kind of person or a more logical kind of person, like maybe more your, your Myers-Briggs type, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And I think it's cultural too. Like I think in our culture, it's, we just feel more inhibited in general and maybe extroverts just, they need less warm up time so they can be more expressive, but introverts are just as capable of being emotionally expressive. Okay. It's just that, yeah, they might need more time to do so. Okay. Now is, it, is it also a comfort level? Like, so when you were saying earlier that um, introverts are better on one-to-one, so if they've got a close friend, is it relatively straightforward to to talk and, and maybe they don't take so long or is it kind of the, the same all the time? Definitely. I do feel like introverts have a select few friends or maybe even just one close friend that they are very expressive with that they really open up to. And it can be like night and day, the difference between them with acquaintances versus them with their true friends. Okay, great. One of the tests, of course, that people use a lot in relation to introversion. And when I was kind of looking around YouTube and places like that, I actually noticed there's a lot of introversion um, and introvert uh, video blogs and stuff like that, which I was pretty surprised about. It seems to be uh, quite a popular topic now. And um, a lot of people are talking about their Myers big, uh, Biggs results. What do you think of the Myers Biggs test? And also, like, I'd just be interested in it. Has, have you noticed that there's a lot more um, people? It's a very popular topic. There's kind of movement in this. Is it a certain age group? Like, I was thinking maybe it's more millennials that have been talking about this topic and getting into it. One interesting, like, vlog I just fell across was just, you know, a girl, she was um, just talking about how she's an introvert and she's just vlogging about it like every few days and i imagine there's a lot of other introverts kind of watching that right it was kind of a surprise to me to come across all this stuff because i hadn't realized it was such a popular topic yeah definitely i'm finding nowadays more and more all of the people who feel like they don't fit in in the real world congregate in the internet so yeah the more of an outcast you feel like or the more different you feel the more you're going to seek out your people online and that's been the case with introverts. And it's funny because there are a lot of introverts out there. I mean, researchers estimate that it's one third to one, one half of the population are introverts. So really there are a lot of us. It's just that we didn't know it. We were kind of all keeping quiet about it. So, and then as far as Myers-Briggs, I think once people learned about introversion, extroversion, they just wanted to take it a step deeper. And so now they're really interested in Myers-Briggs. And it's funny because I actually just did a personality type week on my blog on introvertspring.com and we covered all the different personality types and everyone was really grateful and and happy to see even more detailed descriptions of themselves. And and they're like, yes, this is me to a T. And there's something really validating about that to know that, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. This is just how I am. This is just my personality type. Yeah. And when you do that personality type test, this is basically a questionnaire. Yes. Yes, exactly. And then it gives you these four letters, which basically give you your type. Um, so for instance, if you're an introvert, you could be something like an INTJ, uh, TJ, as I understand it, and others, right? And then um, it gives you this explanation of the types of behaviors and what kind of things would it, what does it give you in terms of feedback? It can be scary in depth. Like for me, I'm an INFP. So that's introverted intuition, feeling, and perceiving. And so the basics of an INFP, so introverted, we already covered what that's all about, but more intuitive. So less about the more concrete stuff that's out there and sensing and getting out there and feeling things. They're more about kind of going inwards and and thinking about patterns and connections and um, just the way it also goes into things like the way you might express yourself. So INFPs are very expressive for example they're known to be artists writers which which i am so they they really are very true to your personality 
and um, they they can be quite in depth. Right. Um, is there any official site or like if someone wanted to go and do one of these tests, where would you recommend that they go for the, I don't know, the most objective assessment through this? I like the one on, I believe it's 16 personalities, but they, if you just really, if you just mm-hmm. Google best Myers-Briggs test online, then the top two come up and I find those ones quite good. Okay. Pretty consistent. How long does it take to, to do these tests? It all depends on you. I did mine a while ago, so I think it probably took um, a couple of hours wow, or an hour okay. or so. Yeah. I was thinking like a 10 minute uh, questionnaire. No, right? it's, like, it's a bit different. The Myers-Briggs takes longer than just like a straight up introvert, extrovert test yeah. because it is quite detailed. Okay. All right. So if they were going to go out and do this, uh, so is it uh, one of these um, selection? You you select one, multiple choice or is it? Yes. Yes. And they're going to fill in what's a hundred or um, so questions over time. Okay. All right. All right. Good. So, do you find this as a pretty accurate way to uh, for introverts to um, self-identify? And do a lot of the people you coach and talk to use this test? I think yeah, a lot of people in my community do, just because you know that's kind of it's related to introversion. For me, I don't use it. I haven't used it much in my coaching or my courses. I've just focused mainly on the introverted aspect, but I am very interested in getting more into, it's kind of taking it a step deeper and getting more into the Myers-Briggs because it's just, you're able to understand people that much more. It's not just about understanding yourself. You can understand the other personality types as well and how they work and how you can communicate better with them. All right. So I was just telling you just before we started that a bunch of us dating coaches who've been around for 15 years or so, so the oldest kind of guys from our group of male coaches, we did the Myers-Briggs like, you know, 20 years ago at school and stuff. And most of us were eyes back then. So the introvert one. And then about three years ago or so, we had a discussion about it and everyone had, most of them, pretty much everyone actually had moved to an E, so an extrovert. So you had some interesting thoughts on that. Yeah, that brings up an interesting question. And it's, is introversion innate and you have it for the rest of your, are you introverted for the rest of your life or is it something that changes? And I believe it's a bit of both, but I do believe it's more inherent and you are an introvert from infancy and you stay that way. However, I do think that your behavior can change. So you can choose to push yourself more and to go out more. But there are always going to be some consequences to that for people who are really inherently introverted. So perhaps for me, for example, when I was really putting myself out there a lot uh, and keeping myself busy all the time and trying to be an extrovert, I was just really exhausted by the end of the day and I was not as creative. So I didn't have as much creative energy Or maybe I could do a certain type of creative thing and not the other. Like I find for me, I need a lot of alone time to recharge my mind. So I do believe it's, it's more um, behaviors that changes as opposed to your actual personality type. That's interesting. The alone time, I got some practical questions for you on that uh, later. I think it'll fit in a bit later better. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's pretty interesting because there's always the nature versus nurture argument which which goes on i tend to be more of the nurture a lot of the the guys i've known for quite a while talk about reprogramming their minds and uh people like tony robbins i'm sure you know him i don't know everyone's got their own opinion on him but i've been to some of his seminars and he's quite up on the reprogramming your mind thing and and um you know so i I tend to be from that that perspective would you go along with that or how do you feel towards that It's interesting because I do believe I am a fan of Tony Robbins and I do believe in reprogramming and breaking patterns, but I think, you know, some things about your personality are just a bit more hardwired. They have found that introverts brains are actually different. They have more gray matter and they tend to their way of processing information from the external world is different. They move along different pathways. So maybe you can reprogram yourself, but it would just be a lot more difficult than, than other things. It's not just like breaking a new habit, you know, like going out and, and getting a new personality as if it's like getting a new pair of shoes. It's like going to be probably a number of years. And I, I personally believe when it comes to introversion, extroversion, it's better to 
first and foremost, play to your strengths and use, use what you were born with. Yeah. And rather than focusing so much on what you think are your weaknesses and changing those. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Let's get more into that. Uh, there are also some kind of common misunderstandings or uh, things I think uh, should be qualified. Is shyness or timidity, is that introversion? I'm glad you asked that because that's the number one misconception. And no, shyness is different. An extrovert can be shy because shyness has to do with fear of social interactions. Mm-hmm. Whereas introversion is just, you're drained by social interactions. So you could be very confident and you could talk to people and come off as an extrovert when you're energized, but then you just need more time, time alone afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very different even from what I was thinking before I looked this topic up. How about a quietness? You did mention something about introverts tending to think more before they speak. And that's, that's the way I understood it. Um, so did, do they tend to be more quiet or is it like you say, more like a, it sounds mostly like an energy thing. It's like, if you're being social and loud, you can only do that for say an hour. If you're say uh, someone who's a very strong introvert, and then you want to go away and be alone for a little while to recharge. Is that the way or is this kind of innate quietness that is a tendency also? I would say after energy, one of the biggest differentiating factors between an introvert and an extrovert is the way we communicate. So introverts do take longer to think before we speak, whereas extroverts tend to be verbal processors so they can think and speak at the same time. So that's why, yes, introverts actually do tend to be more quiet, but if they're talking about something that they know a great deal about or that they're really passionate about, then they tend to talk more, they can speak more quickly and keep up. Whereas, yeah, if they're just in a group conversation talking about whatever and they're not really that into the topic, then they might be more quiet. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up that their passion or their main interest. Because um, a lot of people who think of themselves as shy, I guess they, they tend to be more vocal when it's their main interest. That's actually something that we tell a lot of people to, you know, focus on when they're first, like trying to get that out there and make conversation more and so on, because they do find it easier with their interests. That could be an indicator that they're an introvert then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, excellent. In today's uh, current social culture, oh, by the way, did you have any thoughts on the demographics or maybe you've seen some demographics on introverts in terms of age or gender or anything else? Not, No, nothing on age or gender, just pretty much that um, it's about one third to one half of the population that are introverts. I'm not sure about male, female, if there's any major difference. Okay. I was just, I was just curious. I did get the, just a the feeling that there were more millennials talk about it, but Hey, on the internet, there's just more millennials talking in general. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I hear from lots of introverts who are in their sixties and they say, well, I wish I knew right, this sooner. Right. Yeah. Definitely selective bias probably going on there. So in today's like culture, does being an introvert put you at any social disadvantages? Do you think just the way, you know, we go about things in our careers, uh, socially relationships, dating, I think it can just because of the stigma that's placed on introversion, on being an introvert, but that's changing. So yeah, for us, our generation growing up, it was all about being extroverted, being gregarious, being outgoing and being quiet and wanting to be alone was not socially acceptable. But now that there's a lot more information out there on introverts, People are discovering that, yeah, actually, it's awesome to be an introvert because we are capable of great amounts of focus. I mean, how many jobs out there actually require you to be able to just sit and focus and be able to work on your own and that sort of thing? I mean, that's something that would be great for a lot of introverts. And also, introverts tend to have strong intuition. They tend to be curious, observant. So introverts have a lot of really wonderful innate strengths. It's just, they've wasted so much time and energy trying to strengthen their weaknesses and become extroverts. And that has, hasn't worked in their favor. Right. Right. Do you think there's some aspects of social pressure towards extrovert behaviors or lifestyles? I definitely do believe there is. And I hear about this a lot from the people that comment on my website, the introverts, and they say, 
people will make fun of them or say, you're being weird. Why are you being so quiet? You're being selfish. Why do you want to be on your own sort of thing? It's people see it as weird to want to be alone. Mm. But I do believe the more that you embrace your introversion and accept yourself as you are, then the more you attract people who are either introverted themselves or who are just really accepting and, and who will recognize the good things about you. So now I can see like many environments like um, college, potentially sports, definitely work environments. You know, when I was uh, going through the education system, I had a lot of pressure from my parents and, you know, from school, obviously, to take a certain number of jobs, which were esteemed to be the best jobs. And I actually ended up doing that for a while, becoming a management consultant. Um, And then five, uh, six, seven years later, realizing I I didn't like it. (laughs) And uh, finally understanding and becoming more self-aware. And like, I don't actually like doing this stuff every day. I'm not happy with it. And this is why I'm I'm just not happy. So, you know, I quit it and, and did something else. I can see that there's a lot of social pressures for even the choices we make about careers and stuff. And of course, there's very kind of extreme career choices as like a lab scientist or maybe a writer, which would be very much suited to the the kind of introversion qualities you were talking about. And then there's the sales and management consulting for one, where you have to spend a lot of time talking, uh, managing people and and so on, which are kind of the, the opposite perspective. So do you think, like, is this something really key for people to make choices, strategic choices about their life in order for their own happiness? Like when they're choosing careers, social activities and so on. Have you got what kind of perspective you have on that? Yeah, I do think introverts can excel at any career. It's just that here's the question I tell people to ask themselves is, does this serve my higher goal or my big picture goal in life? And if so, then yeah, do what you have to do. Maybe it's worth it to push yourself a bit more, to be more extroverted. And that, that energy drain can be worth it. Um, but sometimes it's just, a lot of the times it's not worth it and it's not really what the person wants. So yeah, there are introverts who are nurses, who are teachers, and it's very, it, it is, it's hard for them and it can be draining, but they can also be very good at it. And they might find certain aspects of it, such as the time with their their patients, the time with the children that they work with. They might find that replenishing enough and energizing enough that it kind of balances out. Excellent. You brought up energy a lot throughout this conversation. How does energy drain? How does that feel like? Or how could people kind of recognize this? Is it just literally feeling really tired, like you've been you know, working all day? Or is there something a bit more specific to it? I think it, I can relate it a lot to the feeling of mental drain. So when you've been working for a long time, um, if you've been focused for a long time and you just feel kind of foggy and like you can't take in any more information, yeah, that's what it's like. Because it really is like information overload. It's just too much stimulation. And so you kind of start to shut down and that's a pr- protective thing. So when introverts put up a wall if they've been socializing too long and they kind of seem to be zoning out, keeping to themselves. They might not know it, but that's actually their way of protecting their last bit of energy. So that sounded like, is that like a little bit like daydreaming and just getting kind of distracted? So your mind would be wandering while you're hanging with a few people or you're in a meeting at work and your mind just drifts off and someone says something to ask you a question and you're like, oh, oh, damn, I wasn't listening to that. (laughs) Is that the kind of, do you think that's a symptom or that can be part of it. I mean, I do believe I used to daydream all the time and I had a lot of trouble focusing on the the present. And I think that's something that you can train yourself to just be more in the present moment. But yes, introverts, if they've been like out and about for a long time, they will go into their own head because that's like their home base and that is where they can recharge. and And so they're blocking out the outside stimulation and going inside their head. So you know, as you were saying this also, I was thinking about ADD, ADHD, because a lot of people are getting diagnosed with this these days. I don't know the stats, but there's more of it. Do you think some some of those may, may not be ADD? As I understand, it's a lot taking place in the classrooms in the earlier years now. They're having problems uh, concentrating and so on. Um, do you think that has any relationship to or you, have you spoken to people about this? Related to introversion? Yeah, yeah. Just if there's any overlap. Personally, I'm not, I'm not sure that ADD is the condition that it's kind of positioned to be. 
it might be just like, you know, people are different. I think there's, you know, there's a bit of controversy going on about it at the moment, but obviously there's a lot of medications being prescribed to people and some people feel like they're kind of subpar because they can't focus uh, at school and, and stuff like that. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, totally aside from introversion, I, I do think it's probably overdiagnosed ADHD, but I, I do believe it exists. I just think in a lot of cases, there are other factors. I think there are so many things that can cause this lack of conscience. Can't focus uh, at school and, and stuff like that. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, totally aside from introversion, I, I do think it's probably overdiagnosed ADHD, but I, I do believe it exists. I just think in a lot of cases, there are other factors. I think there are so many things that can cause this lack of concentration and hyperactivity, you know, even too much sugar and processed foods. Like I really do believe that caffeine. has a major effect. Caffeine. Yeah. Big time. Okay. Thanks. I was just curious about that. How would you suggest that people manage their energy levels, you know, if they're fitting into this mold and, and it makes sense? Because this seems like the pivotal thing, right? It's learning how to manage your energy levels better so you can kind of bring it when you want to. Then you know how to go and recover that energy so that you can go and use it again in a different way. Yeah, it's really important for introverts to understand their energy and how to manage it. So one exercise that I offer in my book, The Irresistible Introvert, is just a really simple energy audit. And so you just write down all the things that you do during a given week. And then you write down on a scale of negative 10 to positive 10, whether those things energize you or drain your energy. So if it's in the negative, then it's draining. And if it's in the positive, then actually gives you energy. And there are lots of things that can give an introvert energy, such as reading, doing yoga, meditation, time one-on-one -on -one with a close friend. And, but there are a lot of things that are draining. I have people go through that list, give them a number, negative or positive, and at the end, tally it up and see if your final score is in the negative or in the positive. And if it's in the negative, then see what you can do, brainstorm what you can do to add more positive to your life, to bring more of a balance, because you really don't have to be doing only draining activities. And that's the problem is introverts think that they have all these obligations and they don't deserve to take the time they need to recharge, but they do and they can. Yeah, it seems like a lot of this is accepting that you're an introvert and resisting, you know, the social pressures we were talking about earlier, um, just to, you know, kind of follow everyone else and or, or what people are doing, whether it's going to lots of parties or whatever it is. And, you know, just saying like, oh, that this isn't really me. I'm I'm something different. I like to go and party like once a week, but that's enough for me. It seems like a big degree of this is learning to accept where you are on this kind of scale. So then you can say, no, I don't need to do those five activities, which give me a negative score score at the end of the week. Is that what you find people struggle with most kind of making that trade off, like saying, all right, you know, I accept not to go to these things. Or what do you think people struggle with in terms of the energy management first? Yeah, that is really the biggest thing is accepting it and not feeling guilty about it. I think most introverts just feel really horrible about it. They feel like there's something wrong with them. So they need to hear over and over again, you know, it's okay. There are a lot of people like you. You don't have to feel guilty. And yeah, that's part of the self-acceptance bit. Yeah, yeah. So say you'd been out socializing all day or maybe you were talking at some seminar, you know, say you, you're doing speaking and you felt this drain, this energy drain. What would you do afterwards typically? to recover? What types of things do you typically do or you, do you find the most common that people are doing? For me, I've even, I've taken to going for short walks. Like even if I'm at a really long event, then I'll just step outside for a bit. Of course, not in the middle of a talk or anything like that, or, you know, at a time when it would seem rude, but often there are a lot of times when you can just take a step out when there's nothing really happening and it's, it's worth it. And you just have to have that mindset shift of, um, I'm going to be better off this way. I'm going to be more present when I do return. Yeah. So just because I could imagine people would feel socially awkward about that, say they're at some event. And so what do you do? Do you say, hey, I'm just going to like, do you, do you ask someone else to go for a walk with you? Or do you just walk out on your own without saying anything to anyone? Or do you like someone say, hey, I'm just going to go for a walk. I'll be back in 15 minutes. I just want a breath of fresh air. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that socially? Yeah, really. Of course, it depends on the event. If it's a, it's a large scale event, then 
you don't have to worry so much. You can just kind of slip out. And if it's a smaller thing, then yeah, I think communication is a big deal. And this is what's tough for introverts because we do tend to have communication problems. And so just keeping it really short and simple, you can just say, I just need some air. I'm just going to step out for a while. I'll be back soon. You know, just because people do worry and they think, oh, maybe I offended them. They always take it personally. So just explaining it's not about them. I just need time to myself for a moment. Right. Yeah, that's a good point because people often assume that something's up if if someone just kind of goes off for a while, right? I guess that's considered an unusual behavior, mm-hmm. and like one of those that you you were talking about earlier. But so you think like potentially half of society would benefit from taking steps out? Yeah. Okay, so let, let's just talk about the the kind of uh, the implications for dating and relationships. If you're an introverted guy, what would you say are the biggest relationships in this area? I mean, the biggest implications for these areas that they should think towards? Yeah, well, the biggest thing is in a new relationship is setting up the boundaries. And a lot of time it's funny because you will see an introverted man in this this pattern of always dating very extroverted women because they let the extroverted woman approach them and kind of take care of the getting close aspect. Um, but then... Uh, so it kind of takes an extroverted woman to get to him because an introvert wouldn't be as forward. Is that, is that the way you look at yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, they, usually introverts will, you know, be the observers and they will wait longer. And yes, they, they're not as likely to approach. And so they get into this dynamic where it's a more extroverted woman. And oftentimes this woman will kind of overstep his boundaries a bit and she'll be offended when he needs time alone and kind of crowd his personal space. And the key to avoiding that is either to learn how to approach. And so you can choose women who you like can specifically target women who are maybe have a softer personality who are introverted as well, or to be upfront at the beginning, like, you know, I'm an introvert. I do need space. So just don't take it personally. If I need to be alone for a day or two, and that's just me. It's just the way I am. And I find people, if you do that early on, people, they understand and there's far fewer hurt feelings. Yeah. You make some, some great points. Uh, I've, I've seen over the years for other reasons, I'll be antisocial because I'm busy with business or something. And, you know, I have a fair number of friends who are, uh, kind of like that is considered antisocial with with new girlfriend and so on and having a talk about it bringing it up up front saying that you know i'm only going to be like really available twice or three times a week just because i'm really focused on what i'm doing right so you could easily change that up and you could make it about your introversion or you could just make it like i i do something so one of my other friends he had what he called a study day right so you could say that's more of an alone day and uh every sunday he would just be reading and um, studying and stuff. And so he wouldn't see his girlfriend and she knew that that's what he was doing. And, you know, it wasn't like he was off cheating or anything. <laughs> um, and she, she felt cool about it. But if you don't say anything and it's a, it's a behavior, I think we're just talking about boundaries. You're kind of saying that they have to kind of carve out things in their schedule um, for this alone time and make it clear. How does it work out typically in a relationship? Setting boundaries? Yeah. And it, well, we'll just specifically on these kind of notes i mean do people do you find that people say hey i'm an introvert and and then they explain it or how does it typically go down so of course you don't have to say specifically i'm an introvert but say this is something about me that yeah i really like my alone time for me like it's kind of obvious because this is what i do but yeah to express it and then also to be consistent early on because you would think for introverts that we would keep our space and put up a wall with it when it comes to relationships. But oftentimes introverts will have one person such as their partner, girlfriend or boyfriend who they let in, who they just completely let in and they have no boundaries with. And that's like their person for all of their needs, all of their social interactions. Um, And then they'll get overwhelmed and then kind of say, I need space and that'll confuse the person. Right. So actually be consistent from the beginning and force yourself to take time alone and to maintain your space 
and not depend on that person for all your social needs, even though it feels really good and it's nice to be comfortable with someone to still kind of force yourself to do other things that you like and spend time with your other friends. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's always good advice all around. So it sounds like the first step is to become aware of what your needs are, you know, with your audit, for example, from your book. You have obviously have to do that before you're dating someone to understand where those boundaries are, what you actually need. So, you know, when we're talking about boundaries, we're just saying, okay, you know, I know that I need uh, this amount of uh, alone time. So I'm not going to forsake that because I've just met this person and, you know, I'm just going to like spend all my time with them for the first four weeks of the relationship because that tends to be the passionate <laughs> fun bit and people do like get it, let it get away. And so you're saying like, you know, and afterwards a person's going to be really surprised when you kind of like revert back to your, your needs again. And you're like, oh, I forgot about all my needs, my alone time. I'm feeling a bit. Yeah, drained. exactly. That, That's yeah. a great way of summarizing it. And I, for me, a lot of times I phrase it as permissions. So at the beginning, part of being aware is actually outlining your permission. So I give myself permission mm. to spend time alone. I give myself permission to tell people what I need, that sort of thing. So you outline that ahead of time and then you don't feel guilty and you don't yeah. chicken out. Yeah, excellent. What do you think of dating apps, right? Because this, like, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, and I'm thinking like dating apps are probably something that works a little bit better than some dating coaches or, or pickup artists. I'm sure you know what pickup artists are. Mm -hmm. They tell basically tell everyone that you've got to run into clubs and you, you're going to meet girls like that. Obviously, given the context of our conversation today, that doesn't sound like how an introvert's going to enjoy the experience and they're going to find it harder in terms of energy drain and stuff. And it might just be an uphill struggle. So I don't know what you think about that, the whole the whole clubbing thing and partying aspect and, and how introverts relate to that. And also dating apps, like is, is that something that fits well with the introvert better than perhaps the extroverts? Well, yeah, a lot of introverts will want to default to online dating services and apps just because it's it's a, a bit more comfortable. It can be less draining at first. I don't think it's necessarily better than meeting someone in person, but I think it can be just as good. I've met people both ways and I've had success both ways. For example, I met my boyfriend, my current boyfriend through Plenty of Fish. And um, I think there's just a whole different set of rules for that beginning part when you're having the online interaction. And I will say for introverts, the big thing, and for anyone really, is to not get into that cycle of just talking online and then taking forever to meet in person. I think if you can meet in person, then you should meet in person pretty quickly because you, you really can't get to know a person that well just by messaging. And even through Skype, there are things that you just don't recognize. So definitely uh, meet people as, as soon as you can. Absolutely. I think, I mean, that's just good online dating advice all around because sometimes you've been talking to someone for a couple of weeks and then you meet them and they're absolutely not the person you thought they were. And that can work both ways. Um, just sometimes the text doesn't transfer to the the face to face, mm -hmm. yeah. I've like Skype video calls can can helpful. Like I found that people are more open to that these days and FaceTime and 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 what what have you. So that can give you a better feel for the person if you can set that up quicker if you're far away from each other. But there's uh, there's not really a substitute for um, face to face. How long did it take you to meet your boyfriend? Just out of how long were we kind of messaging face to face? Uh, yeah, just before the face to face. <laughs> we actually have a funny story, but uh, it was only a few days, and I didn't have a picture up. And he actually agreed to meet uh -huh. me without seeing my picture. I'm that persuasive wow. with my words. What did you say to him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was my tone in the way I was writing. He said he could just tell that I was not, um, I was educated and I was like a normal person and wasn't crazy. Not psycho. Yeah, not psycho. <laughs> yeah. And I just said, you know, I think it would be, he asked to meet me. Percy said, um, you know, would be, would you be open to meeting for coffee and would you be open to sharing pictures with me? And I said, well, I'm impressed that you asked to see my pictures after you invited me to coffee. And I said, well, just for fun, what do you think of meeting without seeing my pictures? I swear to you that I'm not a dude <laughs> and I'm not, you know, like a, a freak, like who weighs a thousand pounds or whatever. I just think it would be fun. And he said, sure. <laughs> so. Awesome. That's a nice story. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of cool stories about dating apps, you know, since that, since mm -hmm. this whole thing has, has come up and, you know, a lot, I think like there must be like 20, 30% of people are meeting 
um, and having serious relationships like this now. Mm-hmm. Cool. I did want to just go back to the club thing because, yeah. like I said, there's a lot of pressure for um, people and especially guys who've been taking dating advice. I think there's a, you know, it's probably a 80% of the dating advice out there is talking about clubs and bars and actually the whole population, like, you know, they're all going to uh, clubs and bars and that's where they feel like they meet people at the weekends and then the rest of the week they're working or whatever. How does this cross over introverts? And I don't know if you've, you know, learned anything from your community and stuff and what seems to work and what doesn't, or if there's rules to clubs and bars. Yeah, I would say clubs and bars are probably the worst places for introverts to meet people. And that goes back to what I talked about earlier about communication and overstimulation. I mean, talk about overstimulating. Mm. Clubs and bars are super loud. They have bright lights. There are groups of people crowded together. And so it's just not the best place for an introvert to shine. I like to think of it as, as far as the best places for introverted men to meet women, I just think of beautiful picture and and having the right frame. So in my book, I talk about the Mona Lisa and how there are really three things that make this painting so famous and so intriguing. And one is, it's actually surprising how small it is. It's not the size that makes it famous and intriguing. It's, it's actually the, the use of contrast for intrigue. Okay. It uses light and dark and draws you in, not through bright colors and, and it's huge size. Okay. It's, it's having that, that subtlety and that contrast. So for introverts, having contrast in their personality, being kind of mysterious, but actually really deep and, being kind and friendly, but also needing their space. You know, that can be very intriguing. And then having the right frame. So putting themselves in the right frame would not be a club because that would be too overwhelming. It would be somewhere where they feel at home. So that could be something to do with their passions. It could be the outdoors. It could be some kind of art scene. You know, it could be a number of things, but it really just has to do with thinking of what kind of frame is not going to overwhelm you, but instead complement you. Right. So I guess if they're thinking about where they're at their best, where they feel at their best, like you said, the interests, things like that. Because I know a lot of guys don't feel comfortable in clubs and, and bars, and maybe a large percentage of those guys are introverts. And yeah, as you say, it's the overstimulation just from the environment and the, the way it's set up and everything. Have you spoken to a lot of people and they tend to figure this out this way by thinking about, so, you know, I'm happiest when I'm hanging out with a small group of uh, friends in a quiet bar or these kind of things like that, where they just think about, I guess the other thing I'm thinking about is like one of the other problems is like people have comfort zones Mm -hmm. and when they're trying to improve their lives, change their lives or, you know, something hasn't been working, like they haven't been meeting any girls, they've obviously got to change something. And sometimes it's, there's Obviously, a part of that is breaking out of the comfort zone. We all have comfort zones in everything we do. Part of growth is is breaking out of that. So I guess like there's this um, bit of a conundrum where you have to figure out, I'm not resisting this because it's my comfort zone, mm-hmm. um, but I'm resisting, I'm resisting this because I am an introvert because um, you know I follow this conversation and this seems like me and this seems like it's right for me. So um, this is actually part of me and, and in the long term, my life is going to be better and it's going to be playing towards my strengths rather than it being a comfort zone thing, which I should actually break out of because that's just kind of like a habit I have or it's something I've got used to. Yeah, I think a big thing for introverts is when I take introverts through my a couple of online courses on connection and confidence. So when I take them through them, a big theme is taking small steps, focusing on one thing at a time. And the kind of the advice that a lot of introverts have received is to just do it and just kind of throw themselves into this really, really scary situation or really overwhelming situation. But I like to think of things as more an experiment and you only need to try one thing at a time and just see how it feels. And another interesting thing about a lot of introverts Because when it comes to social activities, even though we might really, really want to make a new friend or meet a boyfriend or girlfriend, we kind of need an ulterior motive. We kind of need an extra carrot to actually get there out there and do it. 
And that's why doing something that is related to your passion and having a hobby is going to push you further. It's going to make you more consistent in actually getting out there. Like for me, for example, I met so many of my boyfriends through salsa dancing because I was super passionate about salsa dancing. I competed, I performed, and I was always out there social dancing. I just naturally met a lot of guys that way. And I, that was, you know, my circle of people, although I, it wouldn't have been enough for me to just go because I wanted to meet men. And so I think you just kind of need to have another carrot dangling to be motivated to push out of your comfort zone sometimes. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Like double the motivation mm. can, can never hurt more leverage. <laughs> so one thing like we missed, I wanted to touch on is intimacy because I, I was wondering if this is something you've come across on a topic that you know, the, your community talks about a fair bit. Is it more difficult for introverts to get intimate with people and to kind of open up and, and breach that? Or is what's, what's there to be said about intimacy? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I did dedicate a chapter to intimacy in my book, The Irresistible Introvert. And I think that it might seem like it's harder for introverts, but um, everyone has their different ways of keeping intimacy out. And sometimes for extroverts, it can be just to to talk and talk and talk without really saying anything. Whereas for introverts, they might just keep quiet until someone blatantly invites them out of their shell. So introverts are kind of the types that will wait for someone to ask them a question as opposed to just Uh sharing, sharing, sharing. Uh, And so I would say the biggest thing for introverts for developing intimacy would be to just decide to give themselves permission to share without invitation. because it's hard for other people to know the right questions to ask. And again, it can just be one small thing, one step at a time. So just start by sharing one thing that you're passionate about or one thing that scares you. One thing about your childhood, you know, it doesn't have to be something really deep and emotional right away, but just, yeah, start off by giving yourself permission to share without invitation. That's a great, great point. So could you give an example of that? I don't know if you, you can think of a concrete example. I always find these help people people a lot. Yeah, definitely. So say you're um, you're kind of in the early stages of a relationship and the person you're with has shared a lot and they share their opinions and maybe you haven't, you've agreed with what they've said, but you haven't really shared your thoughts. So maybe I'm going to give you kind of a superficial example, but maybe they, they're super passionate about the outdoors and they love camping And you actually have had bad experiences with camping. You hate camping, but you don't really share that. You just, you're kind of like, oh, that's cool. But instead just say, no, I'm going to give myself permission to share this little tidbit about myself. And so you might say, you know, that's cool that you like camping, but I actually hate camping. And this is the reason why, like I had this really crazy experience when I was younger. And so part of that, yeah, is, is sharing your opinions, but but also just kind of thinking, hey, you know, she didn't ask me, but I'm going to share a story about myself anyways. Yeah, connected with the topic. And stories are always, like childhood stories are always a great, great thing for intimacy, I find. There's obviously a lot of connections with the memorable things, like I don't like camping and, and the things that, you know, have kind of stuck with you over time. It's a great opportunity to like, talk a little bit more about yourself and share something important. Okay. Awesome. Let's, let's round off. Um, thank you so much for your time today. What are the best ways to, for people to connect with you and learn more about you and what you do? Well, first of all, come on down to my website, introvertspring.com. I have a wealth of free resources and over 300 articles on introversion and related topics. And also be sure to subscribe and get lots of free goodies that way. And check out my book, The Irresistible Introvert, Harness the Power of Quiet Charisma in a loud world. Awesome. Thank you. Is there anyone besides yourself you'd recommend for good, good advice or knowledge in the area of socializing, dating relationships? Definitely. Uh, for introverted men, Sarah Jones of introvertedalpha.com is the go-to coach for introverted men for dating. Um, so she's a great resource. And also Dan Chang, founder of thefriendformula.com. He gives great advice on breaking through that awkward small talk and actually having interesting conversations. Thank you very much for those. What would be your top three recommendations to guys, like introverted guys, who are starting from scratch? They want to improve their dating life. And they've listened to this and they're like, oh, I'm introverted. What would be the 
top three things to to get started with? Well, first, understand yourself better, understand your introversion. And so then you're on your way to accepting yourself. And then I know everyone wants to skip over this part, but of course, work on the mindset stuff, work on core confidence, because if you go out there and try and meet women and be charismatic without doing the inner work, then it's just like going out like a balloon and you're just full of hot air and it's going to deflate at some point. So work on the inner stuff and then take one small step at a time. See it as an experiment. Focus on the action of actually doing that one thing, you know, getting out there, saying hello to women, as opposed to pushing yourself and doing everything at once and focusing solely on outcomes. Great, Michaela. Thank you for those takeaways. And thank you for spending the time with us today. Uh, It's been great having you on the show. It's been great being here. Thanks for having me. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at datingskillsreview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.